Say, I'm the one who hit your car at Ford City. I got no insurance. I'm broke. But I really wanted you to know how sorry I am. If it makes you feel any better, I hurt my arm. Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw's screaming lower back. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding is due to an unfortunate um, compost turning incident. <laughs> yes. Um, Epi's sitting capacity for recording may be a little curtailed uh, today. So we'll see. We'll see. See if we make it through. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we haven't recorded in a while. As per usual. As as per usual. So we need to figure out how we do this all over again, yet again. But we are continuing our Summer of Wired. Mm-hmm. William Wired. William Wired, that is. Our published episodes have now, have by now caught up to our recording schedule. Oh, okay. In the sense that we all should know that his name is pronounced Wired now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're all on, on board on that. Right. The, the we've, we've passed the point where we were pronouncing it incorrectly mm-hmm. on previous episodes. So, uh, the, cue the meme where, well, I can't even remember how we were pronouncing it, but like ward, were we just ward. saying, ward? I think we were just saying like ward, ward. We're kind of averaging out all the vowels. Yeah. So tired, ward, mm. wired, wired. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the meme format that's the meme format yeah so there's another visual meme for our audio medium yes <laughs> but yes we are continuing our summer of wired uh and our exploration into the wired verse with season five episode one heartaches of a fool mm-hmm. obviously directed by william wired uh and this one is a stephen cannell joint um like the last one however i feel like this one um <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this may be the greatest 200 a day of all time. Not necessarily the greatest <laughs> Rockford Files episode of all time. Okay, yes. But, but I'm going us. to call my shot now and say that the content of this episode is why we do the show. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. That, am that I am I wrong? No, you're not off. You're not that, that far off. Um, can, I, can I just read the IMDb paragraph? <laughs> the summary for this one is, is is perfect. Whoever wrote it, kudos. Yes. So I did not read this summary before I started watching this. This is an episode I did remember, though, when we started. I, I, I mean, I didn't remember all the ins and outs, but I was like, oh, this one. Uh, so here's the, here's the summary. And I'm going to include all the punctuation marks because I think that's actually an important part of this summary. Jim finds that a country music star, comma, corrupt union boss, and Chinese triad have all have one thing in common with why Rocky ended up in the hospital after his rig was forced off the road, colon, sausages, period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. Even if I didn't even know what this show was, if I had never (laughs) heard of the Rockford Files. Sometimes all you need is a good premise. Uh, So this is kicking us off into season five of the Rockford Files. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's September, September 22nd. Uh, 1978, you're tuning in on a Friday night for the return of your long-running favorite show starring, starring Jim. And, uh, I think, I think you get what you, what you came for. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And more. Since it is the first episode of the fifth season, uh, it's probably worth talking about a little bit of the production stuff. This is the season after they've, uh, won an Emmy 
they get more Emmy nominations for stuff in this season. I don't think any more uh, wins, but supporting actor, actor, dramatic series. And uh, it's also when the show started in syndication. So like starting with this season, the first four seasons also started going out in, into syndication. Oh, okay. Um, is my understanding from reading the, 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 the history in um, 30 Years of, Rock, of the Rockford Files, indicating a successful show. Which is great. Um, I guess there there are kind of two unfortunate speed bumps here. One, of course, is uh, they couldn't bring Gretchen Corbett back for this season, mm-hmm. um, and so we've mentioned we mentioned it, you know, fairly frequently whenever it's you know relevant. But specifically, the deal was that her contract was a universal contract. So her as a as a actor you know she was this was the era of the contract player so um you know she basically was available to and to do any universal projects because they held her contract the show the rockford files was a cherokee productions which is james garner's production company Mm -hmm. show in you know whatever in partnership with or whatever with universal however that stuff works in tv land so Universal had the say over Gretchen Corbett's appearances, but everyone else was, you know, had had individual contracts and weren't under the same authority. Corbett was the only cast member of the series who was under contract to Universal Studios. Uh, I'm quoting here from Ed Robertson's book. Mm -hmm. As such, that meant that her salary was paid by the studio. And so in order to have her on the Rockford Files, Cherokee Productions had to pay Universal whatever fee the studio charged for the use of her services. So the studio would then pay Corbett her salary out of the fee, as opposed to Cherokee just paying her her rates. Cherokee pays Universal whatever Universal says, and then Universal pays her whatever their contract with her says. So the studio raised its fee on Corbett after each of the show's first three seasons. What happened with Gretchen was that Universal wanted more money from us in order to continue using her on the show, James Gardner explained in an interview for this book. But at the same time, they wanted us to cut the budget by reducing the sets and the like, yet they still jacked up the price on her. I forget how much it was, but it was outrageously high. We couldn't afford it, and unfortunately, we had to eliminate her character. It was a difficult decision to make because Gretchen was one of the family, but we couldn't afford to pay what the studio wanted. Studios! Yeah, it goes on to say that, you know, this was... this. So this had nothing to do with her. She was not aware of these negotiations at the time, but she was also frustrated with the studio. Um, so she she asked to get out of her contract. Right. As you would if it kept you on the rock for files. Like that, I would, in, in, a, in a heartbeat. Exactly. So this goes on to say, uh, the studio changed its mind on one condition. In order to get out of my contract, I had to agree not to do Rockford, she said. I don't really know what went down between Jim and the studio, but as far as I know, that's why I did not return to the show after the fourth year. Yeah. Which is super unfortunate. <laughs> uh, you hate to see it. Um, yeah. And so that kind of points at also the larger meta story with the whole show, the financial history, yeah. where... At the end of the day, Universal said, hey, your show doesn't make any money. We, you know, we're not going to whatever pay your because because James Garner started taking proportions of profits instead of salary and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, because he was like, our show is really successful. We have one of the most uh, efficient production staffs in television. You know, this is going to do great. And then after the series ended, Universal was like, your show is in the red. We don't owe you anything. And that led to the years and years of litigation. And um, I'm sure this whole thing with 
Gretchen Corbett's contract was one of the pieces in that particular chess game. It's a shame they didn't have, like, they couldn't just run a con on Universal <laughs> to get what they needed out of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I do feel like there's a great opportunity there with the, like, triangulation of... yeah. We charge you a fee, and then we pay her a different fee, and then she has a contract with us, but she wants to get out of her contract, but there's a condition. I, I do feel like there's room there for a good con. Yeah, at some point, uh, James Gardner and, and Stuart Margolin mm-hmm. are doing something, and then they just they happen to involve the, the mob by accident. <laughs> by accident. <laughs> like, Whoops. Yeah. Didn't mean to. Uh, so, you know, in our previous episodes, uh, you know, we've talked about the characters that essentially replaced some of, uh, Beth's role on the show. Yeah. Uh, if you've been listening for the last, you know, year or so, you've heard us talk about those at length, but this is that, that break point between the fourth and fifth season. Um, she goes from having a still shot in the credits to not being in the credits anymore, which is yeah. very sad. The other strange aspect of this season, apparently, is that, um, it did dip in ratings, compared to previous seasons uh, that can be explained by the fact that the, I guess the, the scheduling wise, it got moved from Friday nights at nine to Saturday nights at 10. Oh, and wow. it turns right. out that gives that drops your audience rating for a popular show. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, and then when it went back to, to Friday nights, the ratings went up again. So yeah. location, 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 I guess. But yeah, that's, that's what I got to talk about before we get into, to heartaches of a fool. <laughs> Wired, Cannel, Jim, Sausages. Solid episode. Good episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think we definitely see that right off in our preview montage. Yes. So the preview montage, uh, I had some heart palpitations because of Rocky and Danger. It has the great line, but my dad's still where he was three minutes ago and your sausages are still being made in Mexico, which is, <laughs> again, that just draws me right in. Like, you just have that line and I, I want to know uh, what's going on. We see a truck crash. We uh, get a lot of good, um, I'd call them like jokes in the montage cut. Like, mm. I we I had to twist his arm a little and then you cut to the 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 tussle on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there's clearly going to be some gunplay. <laughs> it's unusual for a Rockford Files. I mean, it's not unheard of, but like, you know, we, we often go a whole Rockford Files without a gun being pulled. We recently did the first episode of the third season, um, the, the fourth man. Oh, uh, yeah. And that one, I think we speculated that it had kind of the highly dramatic shootout at the end. Yeah. Similarly, because it's like, Starting a new season, let's pull out the stops a little bit. Um, also, a William Wired joint. And I feel like this might have had a similar approach where it's like, let's start off strong. And uh, this one starts off strong. Yeah, it does. The episode starts off strong, even. 200 a Day is a 100% listener-supported show, thanks to our patrons. In addition to our gratitude and editing access to our 200 Files Files spreadsheet, patrons receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. Our bonus Just Chatting podcast about media, work, and life. We expend special thanks to our Gumshoe patrons supporting this episode. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Brian Rockford Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic at the Journey of an Aesthete podcast. And Paul Townend recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color. You can find these shows wherever you get your podcasts. 
Dale Norwood wrote a book. It's about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy, published by the University of Chicago Press. Find Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America, wherever good books are sold. Chuck from whatyourreading.com. Shane Liebling has all of your online dice rolling needs sorted at his site rollforyear.party. And check out Jay Adon's amazing miniature painting skills at jayadon.com. In addition, thanks to Andre Apignani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Jabba Peach Pug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, Dale Church, and Colleen Kelly. And finally, special appreciation for our detective-level patrons. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenner at Antenner on Twitter, Brian Pereira at Thermoware, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, at Jordan Bockelman, Bill Anderson at BillAnd88, and of course, Richard Haddam at Richard Haddam. If you're interested in keeping us going for as little as $1 an episode, check out patreon.com slash 200 today to see if becoming a patron is right for you. We start off our episode with the credits rolling over footage of a 18-wheeler rolling down the highway, and we see Rocky put in what... That's an 8-track, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an 8-track. <laughs> put in an... Well, later he says cassette, but I think I realized that when he says cassette, he means an 8-track cassette, yeah. not a what we think of as a cassette tape. He's putting in an 8-track of a Charlie Strayhorn... Such a good name. Uh, ...album to listen to while he's driving charlie sounds suspiciously like willie nelson (laughs) (laughs) indeed yeah so this so the song that plays over our opening credits is good-hearted woman Mm -hmm. which is a willie nelson waylon jennings song then later we are going to hear heartaches of a fool which is also the title of the episode and i guess was just a song that they did because it's on a later album it ended up on willie on a willie nelson I forget if it's a greatest hits album or it's just an album that's called like greatest something. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's released on an album in 81 and it's, you know, a successful single. So I was trying to see, we should probably talk about this now. I was trying to see what's up with Willie Nelson and the rock for Flats. <laughs> Cause we've had musical guests before on the show yeah. to sometimes actually like, obviously Isaac Hayes, but like Dion Warwick yeah. was actually in the show. And then we had the episode with, um, I, 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 I got to interrupt our little thing here. I have somehow ended up on a list. Famous Faces on the Rockford Files TV series. Mm-hmm. Season one. All right. So this is only. But anyways, um, number one is William Smith. I don't know who that is. I'm not going to go through the whole list. All I'm going to say is that as you go through this list, you get to number 10. And the number 10 on the list of famous faces on the Rockford Files is a little known actor by the name of James Gardner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know if you're if you made this list, because I'm assuming this is a fan made list. Yeah, a user list. You know, call in. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. Not at all. I'm I'm just curious. Wait, James Cromwell was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. All right. Never mind. All right. I'm off this list. We're we're going to do our episode. Well, what I was saying, um, Dionne Warwick, who was actually in the episode as a character, Barbara Mandrell, who's basically a on-screen musical guest, as we talked about in um, Love is the Word. And now we have uh, Willie Nelson, who is does not appear on screen, but we get two songs uh, yes. in this soundtrack. And so we're not sure if this song was made for the second song was made for the Rockford Files or I was, not. Or? Yeah, I was trying to to see if there was like 
Yeah, like where did this like, song is come the, from? Is the episode named after the song or is the song named after the episode? Exactly. That's what we need to know. And at first I was like, oh, the song is named after the episode because it came out later in 81. Yeah. But then it's actually in the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, they could have recorded it for it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the, but the question remains, we have this episode, hey, Willie, want to write a song or yeah. whatever. So I could not find that out because trying to look up the song, you just get references to the record the studio, you know, the, the album as far as I could find so far, because Google is no longer very, very good. However, yeah. um, I did find a couple mentions. Uh, one is a undated interview with Gigi Garner, um, where she mentions that her dad was was friends with country and western folks he was friends with waylon jennings and willie nelson oh nice. he hung out with those guys all right um i found another article that was written by I'll, I'll link these both in the show notes it's a remembrance of james garner after he passed by a woman who was i guess a studio person and was on maverick and mm-hmm. then ended up going into his other career and i think she's a dj now it's on like a radio station website um but she has like reminisces of James Garner and being friends with him and everything. And she has kind of a tossed off line of him being close friends with Willie Nelson. So it sounds like they were just friends during this time. This episode is, uh, Willie Nelson's second actor credit, uh, on IMDb. Mm. So, yeah, maybe maybe nobody heard of William Nelson before this episode. It could be this is the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's true. Um, this episode is a wrap on Willie Nelson. It is a wrap on Willie Nelson, <laughs> yes. Um, I was like, you know what? I bet there's something about this in his uh, autobiography, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find my copy before we started recording. So I think it's still in a box somewhere in my garage. So oh, I yeah. was unable to uh, to look and see if he talked about his relationship with Willie Nelson. Is it is the autobiography indexed? I think so. Think so. I assume so. I know where I know where my copy is. Okay. If you want to listen to me groan, I'm I'm ready. All right, I'll I'll brb. Okay. <laughs> oh God. Ah! <laughs> oh. All right. It was right there on the shelf in the biography section between Diane Fossey and uh, Leon Terman, the inventor of the theremin. <laughs> Oh, I love the insight into your bookshelf. <laughs> uh, is it? Oh, might not might not be indexed. No. Is there a picture of him with Willie Nelson? No. <laughs> oh well, it, it was worth the the uh, the attempt. Epi will can will will speed read the book while I do the rest of the episode, and we'll let you know. At the yeah, end. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the long and short of it is, uh, you know, I did not find a. This is why Willie Nelson yes. contributed songs to this episode, but um. You know, clearly they were buddies. Do you need more of a reason? Yeah. All of this is neither here nor there uh, as we quickly get into the exciting debut of our episode. We see two goons in a red sedan. Yeah. They watch the truck roll by. And so it's this is actually important later. The truck is not on like a highway. It's on like a two lane road, like a back, yeah. you know, more of a back road. We see. So this is all with the music playing. There's no dyadic yeah. sound. There's no road sound. There's no um, <clears throat> dialogue. We're just seeing this happening while listening to Good Hearted Woman. She's a good hearted woman in love with a good time. 
loves him in spite of his ways and she don't understand. There's even, like, dialogue. Yeah, and we just see their mouth move. Yeah. So there's a walkie-talkie call from this red sedan. And clearly it's signaling farther down the road where two cars, two, two blue sedans, shoot out onto the road, block it, uh, kind of nose to nose, and then they're, everyone in them runs away. This is to bar the road to the oncoming truck. You know, it's it's too late for Rocky to break, so he spins the wheel and he goes up on the side of the, there's like a hillside that is next to the road, mm-hmm. goes up on the hillside, and just as we saw in the preview montage, this whole 18-wheeler goes kind of up on its side and then crashes, crashes down. In my notes, I was like, wow, they, they just did that, right? Like, this yeah. is... This is a practical stunt. Like I'm so jaded and used to CGI these days that, but they, they took an 18 wheeler and they drove it up the side of a hill until it landed on its side. Season debut season premiere. Yeah. We got to do all the good stuff. Um, I, di- I just happened to run across this. I think on the uh, Rockford files, filming locations, uh, dot blogspot.com, um, which has a pretty extensive entry for this episode. There's a shot where you can see the stunt man in the cab. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> like if you're really looking for it yeah um, yeah it's 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 good stuff yeah you, you tell me that noah barry didn't do his own <laughs> yeah, stunts yeah yes i hard to believe i know uh but he's like wearing a motorcycle helmet like in the car oh, you know yeah. like because you should yeah, as you should if you're gonna roll <laughs> yeah. the truck on purpose a bunch of boxes fall out of the back of the truck um the guys who are in the red sedan pull rocky out of the cab and he's clearly yeah. unconscious he's there's blood on his on his head and then they go check the boxes and pull out a package. They hold it so the camera can see it. I took a <laughs> screenshot so we can see the amazing graphic design is my passion. Yeah. <laughs> Strayhorn sausages. Yeah, I'll try to remember to post this in the entry when I do it on, on Patreon. But it says uh, Charlie Strayhorn brand Cripple Creek Hickory Smoked Country Sausage. <laughs> yes. Inspected and packed by Department of Agriculture. Uncle Willie. Yes. And a P.O. box uh, listing in Cripple Creek, Arkansas. It's good. It's good. It's a yellow package with red ink, and it's an eight pack of sausages, hot dogs, wieners. Quite a few fonts going on. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, uh, the perfect choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like that. I mean, we don't get much of it, but like there, there isn't a Uncle Willie character <laughs> that is never on air that has something to do with these sausages and uh yeah mm-hmm. it just like it just says uncle willie underneath a line drawing of a man <laughs> yeah like a man who looks like a, like he was in the civil war mm-hmm. yeah it's very good anyway so they confirm that these are indeed a shipment of sausages and uh cover the boxes in gasoline and light the whole thing on fire <laughs> so all right it, uh, at this point, I, I had not read anything about this episode. I got to tell you. Now, I knew sausages were coming. Mm-hmm. Opening preview, the uh, preview montage. Um, but at this point, I'm like, are these goons just not into sausages? Like, what are they? Are they vegan? Are they vegans? Is this? Is this? Are they vegan terrorists? <laughs> yes. What's the anti-sausage activists? Is this? Is this PETA? That's my question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can say that because I'm vegan. <laughs> Somehow, even with all this, this is a more vegan episode than the uh, A Deadly Maze, which yeah. I recently finished <laughs> editing. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we get uh, the, the the song fades out as we get sirens and uh, mm-hmm. some footage of Rocky being taken to the hospital. 
So we get right into it in our next scene where Rocky is being interviewed by these. He's in the hospital bed. He's been patched up. I want to just just comment. I, I'm sure this is a real building. I'm sure this is a real hospital. Uh, its name is Pain Memorial. <laughs> and I just if you are curious, you, too, can go to the uh, uh Rockford Files filming locations. Blogspot. Com because he definitely mentions which actual hospital this is. Oh, so Pain Memorial. Pain Memorial is a is a is a is a gag. Yeah, that's good. It's good that uh, Rocky's taken to Pain Hospital. But uh, yeah, the 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 entry for this episode has the actual hospital. Um, (laughs) That's great. In case you're curious, it's a good gag. So I really like the trooper in this. Mm-hmm. scene he's a memorable char- side character to, or a memorable minor character to me he's just so he has so much swag yeah <laughs> is that weird no that, that makes sense yeah so there's two there's there's two i guess they're like state troopers or whatever yeah and, you know there's two of them one of them's doing all the talking uh and he's interviewing rocky getting his uh, his statement about the the incident rocky of course you know he's like these two sedans pulled out in front of me. Of course, he couldn't get any license plate numbers from. Yeah, it all ha- happened so fast. So he asked for his trucker license. Rocky's in the bed. Yes. Doing an interview. I assume you're qualified for 18 wheelers. License still current, all that. Well, it sure is. Is that it in your pants pocket, Mr. Rockford? Yeah, right there. Would you take it out for me, please? 68. A little old for the big rigs, aren't you, sir? <laughs> it's just like like he has this very proper like okay you hand me your license i'm not going to take it from you because that's right. not how this works 68's a little old to be driving a big rig but i am going to take your license meanwhile i think i'll just hang on to this i'll clip it right here to my board so you'll know right where it is sir are you lifting my license well sir in a large accident like this it's customary to have a review i wouldn't worry about it i'm glad you're feeling better um, we see that Rocky's offended at that dig as Jim uh, enters the, the, the scene. In his log, he's pulling 23,000 pounds of hot dogs. And they'll check that <laughs> with the investigation, of course. Uh, they do take his license, as in an incident like this, there's going to be a review. They leave. Rocky's like, they took my license. Mm-hmm. So Jim goes to get it back. Yeah, well, it's about his license. Let me interrupt you right there, Mr. Rufford. Now I was trying to be nice in there, but come on. 68, driving an 18-wheeler, way too fast. He had left enough rubber out there to get a reclamation contract. I'm not the last word on these things, but my guess is the DMV is going to ice your dad's ticket. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought it was so, it was so yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, just on top of it. Yeah. yeah. You see Jim trying to do, uh, he's a different cop, kind of cop than Jim's used to dealing mm. with, I guess is what it is. And yeah. He's too old to be pushing a rig. He's driving too fast. He probably fell asleep at the wheel. And the story of the sedans is just to cover up, you know, that he rolled, rolled the truck. Fact is, I think your dad maybe was sleeping up there, drove off the road and had himself one of the biggest weenie roasts in history. <laughs> I hope he's feeling better. Good night. <laughs> um, Rocky is stewing over his license being taken away. He says, 45 years driving. They're going to pull my ticket. Um, he mentions it's not even his truck. It belonged to Roland Eddy. He was doing the guy a favor. And Jim's like, oh, you know, you'll get it back. They just have to do the stuff. Um, you know, you don't even drive a rig that much anymore anyway. But that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Just having that license, it gives him a reason for being. Yeah, there's a, a good parallel here with Jim himself, right? Mm-hmm. This, you know, Rocky's license is uh, in peril, but like we often see Jim's 
right. not his driving license, but his PI license, right? Like his ability to do this job. And yeah, there's something about his that's that's so rocky specific about yes. like, sure, I'm retired. Sure, I go fishing, but like, I'm a trucker. Right, yes. <laughs> so much of that identity, we associate that with him, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, he used to be a trucker. But mm-hmm. for him, that's who he is, and the, and that the, the symbol of that is the license. Mm-hmm. It kind of harkens back to Gear Jammers, right? Where it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. we get to see a little bit of the interiority of Rocky, yeah. and that's always fun to see. And you also want to make sure that he's okay. Jim, yes. <laughs> fix this. Yes. Exactly. So Jim goes to talk to Roland Eddy, uh, mm-hmm. who, again, is a great character. Um, there's cracking beers, talking over what happened. Um, this is the exposition to get us going. Um, this guy's a bit shifty. He's a bit shady. He tells Jim just to forget about the truck. I'm glad he's okay. Let's forget about the truck. Um, yeah. Which seems like an odd uh, approach. But Jim, um, he's looking into it because he, if he can prove that Rocky was forced off the road, then... He's not going to suffer the consequences of getting his ticket pulled and whatnot. He wants proof that Jim's related. Yes. It's like, <laughs> if you're related to him, you have to tell me. And he has proof. Yeah, I guess. His, <laughs> I mean, his ID says Rockford, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he says, what's the matter with old Joe? And again, just love the idea of there's other people who are like, Joseph Rockford? Oh, old Joe. Old Joe, yeah. <laughs> not Rocky, but old Joe, yeah. Didn't he tell Jim about ducking truck scales and not using I-5? It was a smuggle. Them links were made down in Mexico. Jim's uh, asks, I think, a good question that we all have. You're telling me you told my dad to smuggle and he agreed? I don't believe that. <laughs> Eddie's like, well, not in so many words, but I told him to stay away from truck scales and not go on four-lane highways. Was he born in church? He knows what that means. <laughs> He was indeed born in church, though. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie doesn't know who these two sedans might have been. It is a scam to smuggle sausages. Right. That's Rockford Files. Like, it's just (laughs) such a Rockford Files crime to be solving right now. So, uh, yeah, we kind of, you know, there's a lot. This is a good... Good banter. I I think my notes are so long because I wrote down so many lines. There's like yeah. so many good lines in this episode. This guy has this one that his delivery on it is amazing. Now I'm glad they wrecked my truck, though. I'm damn glad of that. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect on the insurance. I'm going to move up to Washington. Because L.A. ain't my town no more. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Either way, he's glad they wrecked his truck for that reason. So, yeah, we learned. So this the, the smuggle, the scam, whatever, the, the deal was... Driving an empty truck down to San Diego, Slim takes it and returns it full of sausages that came from Mexico mm-hmm. that say that they're that they're from Arkansas, right? Cripple Creek, um, right? Arkansas. I have the yeah, screenshot yeah. right here. It's that screenshot popped up just now on this on the Skype, like like it's an ad, like an <laughs> ad for for stray horn sausages. Um, they drive a non-union truck to a grocery store parking lot, leave it mm-hmm. in the parking lot with the keys on the wheel. And then in the morning, the, the truck is empty and that's that's the deal. So that's how they're getting non-union yeah. trucks into grocery stores because that should be a union gig, but it's not actually going to the loading bay. It's just, you know, someone yeah. else is handling that. Overnight. He's only telling Jim all this so that he can tell Rocky to stay quiet because if he opens up to the cops or anyone like that, they're going to pack him up and plant him in the dirt. Jim asks, who's they? Uh, 
He doesn't know who they are. He just answers the phone and gets paid in the mail. It's green and it's cash. All he knows is the product. And he gives Jim a pack of the sausages. <laughs> Jim looks at them and says, I can't believe it. Cut to a shot of documents with ITTW Local 213 rules and bylines <laughs> prominently printed on them. Uh, Rocky is receiving a visit from the union. They're suspending him temporarily. And his pension and medical benefits are being withheld pending the hearings because he was driving a non-union truck. Yeah. This is under working rule eight. Jim comes in as they leave and he's like, oh, Rocky, I was going to tell you, don't file for medical. I don't think that was a union <laughs> truck. <laughs> um, but uh, Rocky. 40 years I've been in that union and they just threw me out. He's been driving truck for 45 years and been in a union for 40 of those years. Poor Rocky. We just watch him just deteriorate right before our eyes. The only remaining blow to his ego is finding out that, like, uh, the law of the land is not fairly applied. Yes. <laughs> Jim is, uh, he's looking at the packaging. Um, he's trying to get in touch with the manufacturer of said sausages, but the number on the package to call is just a recording with a recipe. So he's talking to a uh, operator mm-hmm. trying to get connected to a different number, but there is no other number. And he's, he's right by um, Rocky's bedside doing it. Right. Rocky is depressed. Mm-hmm. He's trying to cheer Rocky up by turning on the TV to the $100,000 question, which <laughs> yes. I know as a reference, I didn't realize was an actual show. <laughs> there might be a joke here for a contemporaneous joke here about who's answering the question or something like that. But yeah, I didn't get it. Well, so he's trying to cheer Rocky up. Rocky's like, just turn that down. And he, Jim's demeanor turns as he's like, okay, I'll turn it down if you talk to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he's getting frustrated with Rocky. Yeah. Uh, he's going to track down the sausage manufacturer, and he's going to get them to pay his medical. He's going to prove that there were cars on the road, and he's going to get Rocky's license back. And Rocky says, it don't do no good to have your ticket unless you can drive for the union. <laughs> and then he kind of laughs. He's like, <laughs> you know what them union guys are saying about me? They said I wasn't familiar with working rule eight. <laughs> 56, you remember 56? Yeah, I remember. I was on the... I remember. I was on the strike committee there. Right. Me and 15 other guys, we helped write working rule eight. I still remember. If any member will be participating in or attempting to stage any long or short hauls in any city state wait hold it dad hang on just a minute and jim interrupts him because there's a cripple creek sausages ad that comes up on the tv (laughs) and we watch our first appearance of charlie strayhorn pitching the sausages with uh the backstory of uncle willie yes the backstory (laughs) of uncle willie jim says that so far he's the only guy in this whole deal that i'm sure exists uh Rocky asks how he's going to find him. He says, most of these, I think he says like most of these TV cowboys or something like that. They all live in Bel Air. (laughs) (laughs) But if he's not there, I'll track him down wherever he is. I happen to be getting mad. Yeah, it's he's like, don't worry. I'm going to find some action because I happen to be getting mad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, good scene. I like the bit with the thermometer. Oh, mm -hmm. the nurse comes in to give Rocky a thermometer. He just keeps taking it out of his mouth to talk. And yeah, it's good. Good stuff. I thought that there was going to be a gag about that, like about his temperature or something. Yeah, yeah. But she just like comes in, rolls her eyes and like puts it back in his mouth. Yeah. Like, 
we've gone from sausages to <laughs> financial records. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're doing we're doing good. We're, we're, doing we're hitting good, all yeah. of our all of our favorite things. Um we are in the Charlie Strayhorn home. So, Charlie Strayhorn, he's a country and western star. He's breaking mm-hmm. out. He's getting huge, which means he has money problems apparently. Yeah. So there's like three guys who are there. They're talking about uh, his tax situation and... There's a good phrase for it where they say, like, he's cash poor and tax rich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The bottom line is he can't record any more income. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to inventory the house because in addition to all this, he and his wife... Who's there. Who's there, Carrie, are getting divorced. Yeah. So... This is also a financial pressure because mm-hmm. she is, for whatever reason, basically coming out ahead in the divorce. I just want to address our listeners right now. If you are if you're thinking to yourself, I would like to see more gold necklaces <laughs> on hairy chests. <laughs> this is the scene for you. This is wall to wall. Well, the wall carpeting when it comes to gold necklaces on hairy chests, <laughs> but different kinds. Yeah, different kinds. Yeah, Strayhorn has the has the has like the western shirt. Yeah, that has all the open buttons down to just over his navel, and the one <laughs> long pendant mm-hmm. gold chain with something on it. But then one of his finance guys has yeah. the like Italian gold chains over the like high neck under his suit jacket. Yeah. He's dressed as the Halloween costume of a uh, scumbag record right. executive. Yeah, there's so much product in his hair, you can smell it through through four decades of <laughs> <Yes>. television. <laughs> yeah, it's great. One of these guys, I forget which one, I recognize the name from the credits. I was like, oh, he's been in these before. Uh, Joe E. Tata is oh, yeah. the, the actor's name. He's the guy who usually plays his, who, who plays Jim's bail bondsman. Uh, right in the episode yeah. in a lot of episodes sully i think who we have not seen for uh, many many episodes but i'd recognize the name and then i you know i saw a reference to it um he's he's just one of these executives but i was like oh we haven't yeah. seen sully in a while this is okay i don't there's a guy in the credits fred j gordon who plays mel ulis do you remember who mel ulis is in in this he's got to be one of the um one of the goons yeah I just want to point him out because he has six credits on IMDb. Wait, no, he's not one of the goons. That's the other guy. Wait, who are you talking about? This is the very last person on the list uh, before the uh, rest of the cast listed alphabetically. So I guess not the last person. Fred J. Oh, Gordon. Huh. <sighs> Couldn't tell you. Because this guy, this guy has been an actor in six things. It's this $6 million band, Columbo, The Rockford Files, a made-for-TV movie, Mary Tyler Morehour, and Mrs. Columbo. Like, he's living a good life. I might be able to triangulate by the Columbo episode that he's in. Well, he plays a technician. I I know, but it's in, oh, it's in How to Dial a Murder. I won't remember that one. Um, Yeah, no, couldn't tell you. It's a great IMDb page, is what I'm saying. It's probably, is a great IMDb page. I mean, I guess he's... One of the other executives, Jake. Yeah, there are a lot of characters here. I'm like, I don't think we ever hear that person's name. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to figure it out. I just happened to click on his name. Yeah. And and I saw those credits and I thought, oh, those are an amazing set of credits. Those are an amazing set of credits. Per capita. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he has money trouble. He has uh, right. impending divorce. And they are adding construction onto his house because I guess... 
they started that before the divorce and mm-hmm. now his 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 people are telling him well we should we might as well finish mm-hmm. because it'll raise the value of the house cuz we should sell the house cuz we need the cash flow yeah um he can't think he can't write music uh he asks about his the album that i guess he finished and the record label is holding it back till the next quarter because his current album is still selling so well and also right. to get the income in the next quarter which will help him out too and he's like Ah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of this. So this is all great stuff. It it, j- it jams him up, yeah. and it presents this great thing for him as a character, right? Because of what's about to happen, it gives us a, a reason for why he cares about anything that's about to happen, right? And that reason is it doesn't have to do with any of this, right? Exactly. He's being told he makes too much money. And he can't pay his taxes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he has to listen to Workman all day. He hasn't written a song in two weeks, which for some (laughs) reason struck me as like a humorously short amount of time to be bad. (laughs) I mean, maybe he's used to doing it every 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 day or or something. something. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I'm like, uh, two weeks. That sounds sounds about right. I haven't been able to do anything productive for the last (laughs) two weeks. Some of us, some of us tweaked our backs and and (laughs) couldn't do anything for two weeks. So. Yeah. And he ends with the only thing that's worked out right in the last six months is the damn sausages. Cut to Jim getting out of the Firebird. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, we get our line about being tax rich and cash poor. And like, we just haven't set up the right tax shelter yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All your favorite financial stuff. Um, Shorty comes in, who's clearly one of Charlie's buddies. And my note is he looks like a bizarro universe Rocky. <laughs> He does. He has a little, little bit of a um, uh, Ernest Borgnine to him. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a real character face, character actor. Yeah. Um, Don Red Barry, who was probably on every western that was ever made. Yeah, I'm guessing that's how he got here. It was may even have been friends with Noah Barry. Okay, he was in the Adam West Batman. Oh, so was so was um, Sully. Oh, he was in the original Ocean's Eleven. He was in Maverick, of course. Yeah, so many westerns. Like, there's a section on this. It's worth scrolling down his IMDb until you get to the spot where every thumbnail looks like the same. Because <laughs> they're they're all these like pulp magazine cover western posters. Oh God, it's kind of gorgeous. So he was Tarantula and the Grand Vizier in the Bat in Batman. So if you've seen yeah episodes with those villains. <laughs> 33 he goes back he was in something in in 1933 yeah his only rockford files appearance we'll see him again at the end of the episode yes we will <laughs> anyway shorty comes in to tell charlie that there's someone at the door who wants to talk about sausages and he's like <laughs> okay i can talk about that just as you said this yeah. has nothing to do with any of this i'm gonna go deal with that just to get out of this room yeah. there's a i guess an important line here he so he leaves we stay in that room and his wife, Carrie, like sighs and it's like, oh, I guess we're not leaving him much, huh? And one of the suits says that it's the lawyer that she hired to, quote, run a poll through him. If she backs <laughs> off, there'll be no argument from them. So yeah. kind of like like we don't really get a clear picture of what the deal is, like with the divorce and everything. There's some indication that. Okay, so I think over the course of the episode, we kind of learned that this is he's a, a little bit of an overnight success. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how, how to deal with it. He has a family, and 
it's just tough on the family. Like yeah. he's, there, there's a whole bit about him going to Germany and a whole bit about him mm-hmm. going to Japan to tour and uh, them not, they have a kid that never shows up um, who's staying with someone else. I think. Yeah. It's like with her parents, there's like a scene yeah. where we talk about that, um, you know, and we don't really need to know like, what is the actual reason that if there is one, yeah, the divorce has emotional weight that comes out later, but yeah. we don't really get like the story behind it, which is fine. I kind of like the implication that like things are just messy. Like everything is just messy because she seems really reluctant about the whole thing. And so there's this implication here that's like, well, you hired the lawyer that is forcing this. So there are a lot of layers there. The thing, because of the, um, the, the song that we opened with, right. Which is supposed to be him. I, I was under the impression at the beginning that this divorce was, uh, the result of infidelity or something like that on his mm-hmm. part. But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Like, it just seems to be that it's tough that he's uh, this big uh, star. All right. So we get outside to Charlie and Jim. Yes. <laughs> so Charlie Strayhorn is played uh, by uh, Taylor Lacker or Lake Laker, Lacher. And I expected him to have more big roles because... I think yeah. he's great in this particular role in this episode. He's kind of just like a guy who was on TV, like in TV shows, mm-hmm. which I guess, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But he was on I, lottery. He's been on like one episode of every show in Everything. the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like every show in the 80s. But I kind of expected him to have like some show I'd never heard of where he was the main character. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Because he has a very leading man feel Look to, him. to him. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in anything else. Uh, he didn't really have anything else that jumped out to me from his credits. He doesn't have a headshot on IMDb. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess just big ups to Taylor for doing a good job in this episode. Yeah. He, I mean, like, he did all the greats. He was on Six Million Dollar Man for an episode, Bionic Woman for an episode, The Incredible Hulk for an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one I saw? Knight Rider for an episode, Manimal for an episode. So, yeah, good, good on him. But yeah, no, I think he was great for this role. He had that quality here. We have this this situation where we need him and Jim to get along. Right. And uh, we're going to start off by the opposite happening. Right. In a wonderful way. Yeah. Yeah. In a classic way. Like, this goes back to Gilgamesh, right? Like, this, <laughs> this is how you make friends. So they start off with a handshake. And Jim starts off with, I have a complaint about your sausages. <laughs> How come your sausages are being made in Son- Sonoma, Mexico? And why are your non-union trucks getting wrecked? <laughs> so he lays out the story, right? Mm-hmm. And Charlie's like, what are you talking about? Those sausages are made in Cripple Creek, Arkansas. <laughs> uh, sure, okay, I have them in there personally, but they're FDA approved. They don't have import stamps. They go to supermarkets, so they have to be on union trucks. And I like how he knows, like, enough about that. And he's very much like non-union trucks. Like, no, not my sausages. Right, right, yeah. He, he I, There's a sense of, like, just from him saying, like, the only thing that's gone right is the damn sausages. Is like, yeah. look, this is the only thing that I'm like, yeah, that's working out okay. Don't come yeah. in here and tell me that it's bad. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so Jim doesn't know how, but he's he's done some legwork in the meantime. He says he's talked to the driver who's made six trips from the Mexico plant. Mm-hmm. Carrie comes out, uh, says that they need to start the inventory. Charlie takes the opportunity to be like, I can't deal with that now. I'm going to deal with the sausage company myself. 
I just got to get out of here. These people eat me up. Well, I thought we had some sausage business we were going to take care of. I don't know what your game is, mister, but I got some sharpshooter coming to me about every 10 seconds, and I got troubles of my own. Yeah, well, the biggest trouble you got standing right here on this sidewalk. Now, either you listen to what I'm telling you, or you're going to go home across your saddle. Oh, boy, that does it. I don't... And that's when Charlie takes a swing. And I'm pretty oh. sure, I mean, it's this part is filmed just a little, a little weird. I think what we're supposed to see is that he hits Jim and Jim just takes it. Yeah. I blinked and it kind of looked like he just missed Jim, which I don't think is. No, no, no. I think he, he took it on the chin. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Jim belts him and he falls down. So we get yeah. the uh, initial back and forth. Oh, it's a good scrap on the ground. And then Charlie tackles him down and they just have a good, yeah, scrap, scrap is the best word for it. They're rolling around on the ground. They're kind of throwing punches, kind of trying to, like, get each other in headlocks. There's a good moment where Charlie gets up and then Jim, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. The way Jim gets up, uh, it was a scramble. Like, he scrambles to get up and it's just Jim in his suit trying to get off the ground. It's good. It's good. It's worth watching. I just sent you the other screenshot that I took from this episode. Oh, uh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's right after he gets up. They square up, like, put up mm. your dukes. Uh, Carrie's come back out. She starts kicking him, like kicking Charlie, like, hey, stop yeah. it. And is like specifically kicking Charlie, which I think is very funny. They finally break it up. Uh, the money guy comes out and Charlie just can't stand it. He he yeah. basically runs to his truck. Jim's not going to let him go without dealing with this. Carrie doesn't want him to 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 leave, run off. you know, run off. So they both follow him and they somehow just all end up in the truck as he drives away. I love it. It's so great. Like he's getting ready to go and everyone just starts piling in. And then we just have, we have a little voiceover outside the truck. So he drives this like real old beaten up mm-hmm. pickup. It is not a rocky, shiny, you know. Right. Yeah. I, this is... I care about my car pickup. It is probably a, I have been driving this ever since I got a car and I refuse to give it up even though I have money now car. Mm-hmm. Um we have a little voiceover of those tax guys are driving me nuts. Um, and then we go back into the cab where Jim's like, how do I lock you into one beam? Right. Yeah. Focus. <laughs> like, how do we do one thing? He says, tell me where to go and I'll and I'll go there. So Jim gives him the address of Roland Eddie's. We are going to take a little break in the middle of our episode here so that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack and talk about the other places that you can find us on the Internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get maximum Epi? You can find uh, me at my website, digathousandholes.com. That's dig1000holes.com. Or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com. That's worlds, plural, master, singular. If you want to engage with me on the social medias, the best place to go right now is Mastodon at Epidia at Dice.Camp. Nathan, if they want to get Maximum Nathan, where do they have to go for that? I should have gone Maximum Nathan. Maximum Nathan can be found at my website, ndpdesign.com. That's the hub for all my stuff on the internet, including all my uh, role-playing games, zines, and other podcasts. Uh, So if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives Mm -hmm. or zines about pro wrestling, (laughs) among other things, um, those are all at my website. It also has links to contact me in other ways. Currently, I'm still... um, Posting on Instagram at ND Paoletta. That's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at cohost, cohost.org slash NDP. That is a fun 
small scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot. And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. Uh, they roll up to Eddie's place as we see him being hustled <laughs> out of his place into a green sedan by two goons. And they take off. Jim's like, he doesn't say, good, don't let him get away. But Jim's like, let's follow them. But unfortunately, the truck won't start. Maybe it's flooded. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but for whatever reason, Charlie can't get the, the truck started again. And Roland Eddie is, uh, is, is kidnapped before their very eyes. Charlie ends the, that scene on a son of a gun. <laughs> right. So the situation here is Rocky's livelihood. Well, not livelihood. He's retired, but like Rocky's life or self identity is falling apart. His ego is slowly being crushed. Yeah. And Jim is in the right position with the right skills to solve this problem. But he's, he's trying, right? Like he's, he's to him. This is a, like, I need to, I need to help my father out. Right. On the other side of this coin, there's Charlie who is like, he's got all of these troubles and this, this is an adventure. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to catch some bad guys. (laughs) Well, he doesn't even know if there's bad guys yet. He's, he doesn't even really know why they were going to Roland's place yet. Like he's he's just, He's a real vibes guy. He's really yeah. just going on on vibes. Like, I feel like this is what we should do. Yeah. There's something that's a little of the, t- maybe of the time, or maybe it's just TV. Like, you know, this is a very TV thing. But there's something that struck me as, like, not how things are anymore of just walking up to a celebrity's house. Right. And being like, <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, again, just made convenient for the sake of TV or mm-hmm. if it's really a change in how people kind of expect these things to go. But that was kind of funny to me. How Jim's just like, I got to talk to you about your sausages. <laughs> your sausages. It's legitimate in, in um, like Jim, like what he said earlier, like this guy is the only guy in this whole mess that I'm sure exists. Right. right? Like this, we've seen him on TV. He He's a real person. So I'm going to go find him and talk to him. But I think like part of it is also Jim. If he walks up to this guy's house and says something about the sausages, he may not get Charlie, but he might get someone. Sure. Yeah. He's got to start somewhere. We do see the evidence of his celebrity here as we come back from commercial. And uh, there's a bunch of uh, fans, uh, groupies, I suppose, who have surrounded them while they've been talking to the police, telling them what happened. There's all these teens yelling that they love him. And he's like very good with that. Like he's, you know, he's like, I can't, you know, I can't stay here now, but like, I love you. Like he's, he's not acting like someone who is like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to deal with this attention. He kind of like, that's part of his deal. He seems to be okay with that. He has a great line with one of the women that comes up to the car where he's like, just this once be a pal or, you know, like Mm -hmm. just, just help me out here. I think he like kisses her finger, like does like the, like, like, uh, I don't know, like you would. Right. Like just kiss her hand or something. Yeah. Like like, gives her like a kiss, like on the back of her hand or something. It's and like, has a very charming smile. It's, Mm-hmm. It, it makes a nice it kind of rounds out the picture right it's not he's not someone who's jaded by his right. success he's still figuring out what it means i think to be a success it's kind of an interesting take anyway um we go to the red car the red sedan and our two goons uh on the car phone um that we originally saw from uh their radioing their walkie-talkieing uh in the mm-hmm. first scene they're talking to someone on the phone saying looks like they got him <laughs> Rolling the rig should have done it, but they didn't know that Eddie wasn't in it. 
we'll find the factory and get them there. <laughs> we, there's more than one faction going on. There's here. more than one faction going on here, as we see. Um, and these guys are calling Clark, uh, mm-hmm. who is kind of clearly the boss. And Clark is saying, okay, well, we'll find the factory. We'll hit him there instead. Clark is played by Leo Gordon. Yes. A.K.A. Charlie Martell. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's bodyguard friend, hapless bodyguard friend. Yes. He's getting beaten up. Uh, and this is the last of his Rockford appearances. We have now finished the the Leo Gordon trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. Yes. <laughs> I like to think that maybe after his last trip to the hospital, I guess this actually happens. This is his first appearance. I like to think... I guess so setting up that timeline, spoiler alert, this guy gets disgraced. So maybe following his far from fall from grace, he moves into the bodyguard business. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the important thing here is that there's clearly there's multiple factions going on. Whoever rolled the truck, which is these guys, were trying to take out. Yeah, Roland. Roland. And it just just so happened that Roland had subcontracted to Rocky. Yeah. Whoever's kidnapped Roland is not the same. So there's the two groups, at least. We then go to Jim, Charlie, and Carrie visiting Rocky in the hospital to tell him the story so far. And Rocky is starstruck. Yes. Being in the same room <laughs> as Charlie Strayhorn. Always fun to see uh, see Rocky just with stars in his eyes. I'm telling you, I feel a lot better just with you in the room. <laughs> Don't take the pressure off, Rocky. I buy all your cassettes. You know that? I play them on the long halls when the radio won't come in. I'm telling you, Sonny, Mr. Strayhorn here, he, he'd never do nothing illegal. I can tell. <laughs> Charlie says that um, he's going to take care of it. He's going to figure out what's going on. He's going to talk to Clement. Clement is the one who got him in the sausage deal in the first place. And either way, he's going to cover Rocky's medical bills. He's a good guy. He So he and Carrie leave. So there's a great moment in the room just with Jim and Rocky where Mm -hmm. Jim's like, the problem is I kind of like him. And Rocky (laughs) literally says he's a real one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If Rocky says he's a real one, he's a real one. He's a real one. (laughs) And there's some great, just like you see the war, like this great little banter, the physical interaction, Uh, you know, again, fifth season, these guys are in these, you know, they're in the characters. Yeah. Yeah. We know how they are. And, we get to just see their warmth and love for each other mm-hmm. in this moment where they're bonding over, like both liking this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Outside in the hall, Jim catches back up to Charlie and Carrie and we get the good emotional beat here, giving a little depth to our, our kind of over the top uh, cowboy character where he says that he likes Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a good job with Jim. He took care of you when you were sick and now you're doing the same for him. Mm-hmm. And he really appreciates that because his dad split when he was a kid, left him and his brother sleeping on porches. They never went to school. And it comes up that uh, he and Carrie, they have a boy now, Chet, who lives with Carrie's parents. Charlie says, one of my hopes was he'd never have to sleep on an oak porch. Um, that continues into guess the way we have it fixed. He'll be sleeping on airplanes. Yeah. Um, and then he walks away. So there's this moment where like he he takes a dig at Carrie. Mm-hmm. This is what this is going to like do to like our son. Like it's a you get a sense of the messiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie tells Jim, uh, well, that's Charlie Strayhorn. 
Things just got going too fast, and now there's no way to stop them. We go to another scene with just the two of them, where they are trying to finish the inventory of their possessions for the for <laughs> the divorce. Oh, man. A situation I have not been in and hope yes. <laughs> not, not to be in. Uh, the framing is kind of nice because we start off with a shot of candles, and it's almost like a romantic, like a candlelit dinner right, kind right. of shot. And then you see that they're just like tired and like trying to get through this. Carrie's saying, can't we call the rest of this stuff miscellaneous and guess at a figure? Charlie returns with all this stuff, as you call it. Some of it can't be given a number. And he's looking down a list and he, he starts like reminiscing about the saddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you figure that old saddle's worth? Broken arm, winning it. He was judging pies. Thought I was crude. Call me a rough rider. <laughs> Had to give you the saddle to get a date with you. What do you figure that old saddle's worth? Twenty dollars? Uh, she asks why he wants to open up old wounds, and he he goes, "So how did all these fellows around here with scarves and loafers get hitched up on our wagon anyway?" <laughs> she points out that unless you want to figure out taxes and make record deals, someone has to do it. So he changes topic again to, "I like that old man today. I like that guy Jim too." <laughs> yeah. Uh, we used to have friends like that. Where do they all go? And she replies, uh, you want to prove who you are and grow all your roots in 18 months. That just doesn't leave any time. It's nice that he worried about Chet, but it won't make him being in Tokyo any easier for a little kid to understand. And we end with him making a face and then just going, okay, let's make that settle worth $20. And he walks out. (laughs) He's not helping his situation in the slightest here. No. You definitely get the sense that he, he has so many different impulses that he can't like he has so many things that he wants that he can't he can't get anything right he can't get into one beam he can't get into one beam he's always mm-hmm. anything he's doing at the moment is working against all the other things he wants to, to yeah. happen it's uh it's pretty i don't know it's a pretty pretty well drawn you'd love to see character but he doesn't seem he doesn't seem like a jerk really right no it's this is like a this is this is a sad moment yeah, it's a bit tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. He is taking swings at her, but not like, re- like, he's just, he's hurt. And it's yeah. clear that he's hurt. Mm-hmm. But like, it's also very clear that she's, if he's going to continue this route, she's making the very, very right decision. Right, right. To, to you know, divorce him. Uh, and it's also clear that they're not out of love, right? Yeah, like, I, yeah. like, it feels like a relationship on the brink, not a relationship in free fall. And I think that is, that's an important tone to strike, I think, for yeah. the end of the episode. As we will see. We'll get into it when we get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it when we get into it. We go to Jim at the Sand Dollar. He's mm-hmm. having a drink. Uh, as he's leaving, <laughs> the scene is so weird. It is. It's very out of place until later in the episode. So yeah. he's he's ambushed. So he's he, he turns to leave and this guy steps in front of him. It's out of place in a couple ways. First, the guy is Chinese which mm-hmm. is out of place for their area. Or as we knew from the reading the, the, the summary, mm-hmm. at some point, the Chinese triad is involved. Yes. <laughs> um, it's out of place for that. And then also he just goes, what did you call me? Uh, and Jim's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't take that from anybody. So he's making up a, a, fight. a fight. Yeah. Uh, and then he just starts kicking Jim with karate kicks. Yes. 
I like this scene and also I'm kind of like, Ugh. I, I was, I was nervous about this scene. Uh, it's not that it was unjustified, but I think they did. They did. Okay. Like, I don't, I'm not the one to say it or anything like that, but I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what's that. I had not read the preview. <laughs> All I know is in the opening montage, there is a Chinese, like he's Chinese. A, yeah. Talking yeah. about a, a dead body. And so, I was like, I guess that's this connection now. I guess we're going to find out what this is about. Um, I guess the thing is, is that it's it's a it's a martial art, whatever he's he's mm-hmm. doing. And Jim responds with what can only be described as like a good old fashioned American, you know, good old boy kind of thing. Well, he grabs the bar telephone and smashes oh, right. him in yeah. the head. And that's what ends the fight. Yeah, it's more of a gym type of thing. I guess I was worried about it being the, like, you know, somebody doing all these fancy moves. And then it's like, no, the good old country boy can handle it. But the, no, you're right. It's more of a desperation maneuver where he, like, yeah. reaches out. He grabs the phone. He hits the guy. <laughs> he goes down. The bartender goes, that's the weirdest thing I ever saw. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we don't need any cops, do we? It's like, oh, I'll <laughs> yeah. wave them away. So I love that they have that relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jim has been, I guess, someone was sent to to beat up Jim. And it kind yeah. of worked because he has a bad headache. And we know that because he's fallen asleep in his chair. Oh, my God. In his office. I mean, this, is, this might be Epi screaming back talking and not Epi. But that, more than any of the other violence in this whole episode... This image of him in the chair with a leg up on the desk asleep <laughs> hurt me in my soul. Like, I feel that pain in my spine. Yes, exactly. Oh. Well, a drunken Charlie Strayhorn mm-hmm. rolls in. Um, it wakes Jim up. He has a quite a headache as his head was almost kicked off his shoulders. He says, can you quiet down? The inside of my head revolves when you shout at me. <laughs> But Charlie continues shouting, and he's like, I talked to Clement. He explained everything. They ran out of rail cars for the direct route, so the the sausages came through Dallas to San Diego instead. Mm -hmm. And that the driver must must not be registered with the union. What can you say? One bad apple. Right. Yep. That's exactly it. (laughs) Jim tells him to pipe down. Well, you knock it off, Charlie. Now, I'm not going to ask you again, okay? What are you going to do? Throw me out? Huh? Come on. When I drink, I'm covered a bow weevil in a sugar jar. Come on. Yeah, well, I eat bow weevils for breakfast. That is when I'm not eating Mexican sausages. <laughs> in any other context, like Mexican yeah. sausages, what's there to complain about? But uh, here, it's quite the, quite the insult. Oh, Jim, they ain't Mexican sausages. Come on, man. Clement has more lines than a telephone company, which I think is a great Rockfordism. Yeah, it is. Charlie, still drunk says, fine, I have a plane. And since you're so fired up about yes. this, let's go to Cripple Creek and we'll see the factory. And Jim's like, oh, it's like, come on, Jim, <laughs> give it a hoot. Not with this head. And then we get a good Charlie Strayhorn. <laughs> Hooting and hollering. Yeah. As Jim winces in pain. And we have, it's kind of a joke in the cut as we, we cut to the plane taking off as the, the the yoo finishes being shouted. It extends over the, <laughs> yes. the takeoff um, to connect the two. It's, it's pretty good. This is a, I guess this is, this is wired, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, we can talk about that at the end. We'll talk a little bit about the, the direction. Sure. Well, sure enough, they're on the plane. Uh, 
Charlie says it, it originally belonged to Elvis. Uh, and he asked Jim, what do you think? Come on now. Tell me, tell me what you really think. I think someone needs to wave you off before you hit a wall. <laughs> so he kind of takes takes that to heart. We see he's probably he's sobered up a little bit by now. Yeah. He uh, talks himself into something that, that sounds kind of like a song lyric. So he gets <laughs> his guitar. You know, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to do a little going to do a little songwriting. He says he can write up on the plane. There's no one pulling him into things or making him talk to people. Just this bird chasing the sun or running from it. Don't make much difference. Just the thrum of the engine. <laughs> and he picks out a guitar as our our title song, Heartaches of a Fool, comes up over uh, the footage of the, the plane. Started out with a dream And the plans of a wise man Ended up with the heartaches of a fool. And similar to the to the to the beginning, we just hear the song over of a montage of them driving out to this Cripple Creek, you know, address. Uh, heartaches of a fool fades out as they arrive at the factory, which is clearly just a trailer and a shed on some <laughs> land. Charlie says, this can't be the place. They must have been wrong back in town. And Jim kind of keeps digging at him with various comments. Let's find the plant manager. They go into the trailer and there's advertising copy and envelopes for the, <laughs> the sausage company. This is the mail drop. Yes. For the, the address. Uh, Clement slipped you a rusty musket, partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we go look in the smoking shed? And they look in the shed. I just have to say, I don't know if this happened to you, but when when Jim was heading out the door of that trailer, I was so afraid for him. You just had a sense memory, right? Like someone's well, coming. I think it's just anytime he goes through a trailer's door, uh-huh, there's a yeah. chance that someone's going to jump him. But it's not even his trailer, I, so I had this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, nothing happened. Well, nothing happens till they look in the shed, and as we saw in the preview montage, there is a body on the ground. He's dead, mm-hmm. and he's Chinese. Jim reminds us. Uh, and reminds Charlie that the guy who tried to kick his head in was Chinese. How does this mm-hmm. all add up? And Charlie says, Clement. His last name is Chin. He's <laughs> Chinese. That is, it's a hell of a first name. Yeah. Clement. Selected for this very purpose. Yeah, yeah. So we go back to L.A. We have a, a establishing shot of Chinatown as we are meeting with Clement in a, in a restaurant. Oh, I love this meeting. I got. I gotta say, this is this is good stuff. Clement Chin is played by James Shigeta, who was this character in everything <laughs> in in this period. He's. I think he's. He's actually Hawaiian. I mean, he's he's born in Hawaii. He's he's. I think a Pacific Island uh, descent. Um, but he's you know the Chinese guy or the Japanese guy or yeah. whatever in. Many, many of these uh, of these shows, you know, I was like, I, I've seen this face before. Yeah. I don't think he's in any other Rockfords. I think he was um, in in Die Hard. He was the the mm. I can't think of McLean's wife's boss in Die Hard. Takaji. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they have a sit down with Clement. He apologizes for trying to get a fastball past Charlie. But look at it from his perspective. If he makes the sausages with union labor in the U.S., 85 cents a unit. In Mexico, everything's exactly the same, only 13 cents. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and uh, Jim says, it's illegal. <laughs> so what? Who's getting hurt? 
Let's start with the guy in the shed. Yeah. And what about Roland Eddie? What, did he have one drink too many and fall into the fourth dimension? Uh, Clements says that everything's going to turn out fine. He's under a lot of pressure right now, but if Charlie just sticks it out a little bit longer on the sausage business, then Clement will buy him out at a profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Eddie isn't dead. Uh, Clement is a businessman, not a murderer. (laughs) Charlie puts his hands on him and just three guys just appear out of nowhere, just from out of the frame. Yeah, my my note here is well, someone is definitely a businessman. Just right, a right. Businessman. <laughs> uh, Clement waves them down. Charlie backs off. What are you, Clement? Chinese mafia, isn't that what they call it? Mafia. I'm a member of the Triad. It's a very old Chinese business affiliation. Yeah, well, you ought to talk to the police gang squad. You know, they call it an underworld crime syndicate. Well, I suppose that brings our business discussion to a close. <laughs> is it? Good line in here that Clement says about Jim. I don't know exactly where where he's like, what's your story? Did you float down on a white balloon? Yeah, yeah. Did you just drift down in a white balloon? Like, I, it's great. So, uh, yeah, I guess we established that he is a triad. Mm-hmm. Uh, a yeah, member of the triad. Sure. He's, uh, I guess, code switching is great. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that he goes from like, uh, I, I mean, I bought it in the beginning. I like that he was not like, just a businessman but like a kind of a sleazy businessman yeah. right like like he's oh he's and he's out of his depth or something like that sure. and then the moment they put their hands on him it changes and he's in control yeah. and it's yeah. it's great i love it i just absolutely love it it's very good and then like some someone comes up and whispers something in his ear and he nods and then over the next couple lines oh, oh he excuses himself he's like yeah uh, i have to go like i have to go handle something um he leaves and then Jim and Charlie see everyone else in the restaurant just leave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's eerie. It's wonderful. It's a great scene. One of the waiters comes up with a phone because there's a phone call for Charlie. (laughs) He answers it and it's Clement (laughs) calling from his limo. You might want to get out of there. Somebody's about to hit the place. (laughs) It's definitely a fun scene. It's, you know, it's a little, exotic orient yeah yeah kind of stuff which is a little like okay but it's not egregious i don't know it's fine yeah the character is very fun yeah the character's great uh and we've been doing the mafia so often it's right. fun to have some other crime you know uh it's similar i we've talked about this long i feel like long long ago but uh something that you that, that you've pointed out that is like with me which is that this is the period of time where if you want to say that Someone eats weird food. They eat sushi. Yeah. Ooh, an exotic crime boss. They must be from a triad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They go out the back. Jim has an idea. He's something Clevin said about he has a food distribution company because he says something like bringing the sausages in through my food distribution company, blah, blah, blah. So he sees these boxes with uh, the the distro uh, info on them and he takes a sticker off of one of them for for future reference. Yeah. Uh, I guess they get out of there before the place is hit. We just go to the next scene (laughs) where we stick with Clement as his limo stops and then his driver turns around and pulls a gun on him. What? (laughs) I'm sorry. They have my sister and my mother. I have to do what they say. He's, he tells Clement to call a number from his phone and then they're going to something's going on. Whatever, whoever these other guys are, Clark mm-hmm. and those other goons, they apparently have gained the upper hand in some in some fashion. 
I think this is the point in my notes where I'm like, something something big's happening here, and we're like in the last ten minutes of the show. Right, right, like, yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> where is right. this going? Yeah. <laughs> Jim and Charlie check out this distributor, Sunuko Celestial Noodle Company. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your customers would like to know that that your uh, Cripple Creek sausages are being distributed by a noodle by a Chinese noodle company. There's there's definitely an implied racism. Yeah, there, right. Like we uh, at least on the on the uh, behalf of the customers. Um, but he says someone in there has to know where the factory is, like where the actual factory in Mexico yeah. is. But then they see the limo, so it's speeding up to come into the parking lot. So they so they're in Charlie's truck still. So they duck down so no one sees them. The limo comes in in the limo in the back. Clark. Um, Leo Gordon, who is much more Leo Gordon-y in this shot than he yeah, was yeah. in the earlier one. I think he's wearing a hat or something. He just kind of looked yeah. like a guy. Here he has the real rumply kind of Charlie Martel looking face yeah. um, sitting next to, to Clement. Clement is, again, you were saying about his code switching. He's kind of gone to this kind of obsequious, like, hey, boss, yeah. kind of yeah. characterization. So, you know, I kind of messed up. I'm sorry. I couldn't use union trucks. It's smuggling. There'd be trouble up and down the line. But Clark explained how it was going to be on the phone two months ago. Then a couple of rice balls tried to throw a bomb through my window. Mm -hmm. It's like they were just hotheads, just kids. They didn't do it like they didn't ask permission. But here's the situation. He's going to have to kill Clement because he knows if he lets Clement go. Clement's going to kill him. This this moment, I just love this, like, where he's like, what are you going to do? Clement asks, what are you going to do now? And uh, Clark is almost surprised that he was asked. Mm -hmm. Like, that's his reaction. He's like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. Like, what? what, (laughs) Yeah. Through this, this becomes clear that um, um, uh, Clark and his goons are from the union. Yeah. The corrupt they are union. from the truckers union. The corrupt, yeah, they're the corrupt union boss and his and his flunkies. Mm-hmm. So now we we kind of start to see the whole picture where you know this is a a a underhanded business deal that has gone south. Mm-hmm. Um, outside, we see Jim and Charlie see the union goons hustling Roland Eddie out of the yeah. factory. Yeah, he's still alive. into the limo. <laughs> And Charlie, Charlie can't let this stand. He has to do something. So over Jim's objection, <laughs> he he hops out of the out of the truck, and underneath his seat, he has not one but two rifles <laughs> yes. that are apparently loaded. Yeah, because he jumps in the back. Jim, sh- Jim's. I think Jim says, "I'm against this, but I have an right. idea." <laughs> so as the limo turns around to take all all of our poor guys out to their eventual fate, Jim guns it. Blocks the limo from leaving. Charlie pops up with a rifle, shoots out the front tire. Mm-hmm. And then one of the Union goons has a jumps out with a shotgun. And we then have a good old-fashioned shootout. <laughs> shootout at the noodle factory. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty well. It's it's fast-paced. There's It's very exciting. You get the sense that, like, it is just chaos. Um, Charlie and Jim are, are sheltering behind the door of the truck. And it kind of resolves with the goon who has the shotgun takes one of Charlie's uh, bullets right in the, I mean, I guess in the stomach. He yeah. Falls over. He's clutching his stomach, but he's still like appears to be alive. Appears yeah. to be alive. He's still like looking and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure he'll come through fine. And the other guys throw up their hands and we end on a good, loud Charlie Strayhorn. Yahoo! <laughs> oh, 
at this point, I'm like, Jim, get as far away from this guy as you can. <laughs> it's like if Angel loved guns. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we go to Jim and Rocky in Rocky's truck. Clearly, this is some time later. Rocky's out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's so excited. <laughs> To come see Charlie Strayhorn and thank him personally for everything he did. He does wonder if they should have called first. Mm-hmm. And Jim says, well, he's an informal guy. And this is when I remember that they were going to sell this house. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> mm, this is great. Uh, yes. As you know, Bob, uh, exposition here where he's like, wait until I tell him I got my license back. And the president of the union was the one who was the crook, not me. So I got yes. reinstated. <laughs> Uh, the door is not locked, and as they go in, uh, trying to find Charlie, Shorty meets them. Mm-hmm. Rocky is holding a cake that he presumably cooked himself. <laughs> so great. It looks a little lopsided. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes. Yes, it is a nailed it <laughs> cake. Charlie isn't there. He closed out the sausage business. The line, I think the line is, then he lost interest and went fishing. So I'm like, <laughs> lost interest in what? <laughs> In, in everything? Yeah. Like, I guess. It's kind of the implication. Like, And then he's just like, I'm I'm going to go fishing. I don't know when he'll be back, if ever. But he did leave something to give to Rocky uh, if he came by. So first, he gives Rocky a saddle. Yeah. <laughs> the aforementioned memory-filled saddle that he used to rodeo on. It's a callback for us, not necessarily for Rocky, but whatever. That's Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, none of these people know what this saddle right. means, but that's fine. But there is also a record for Rocky. Mm-hmm. It's Charlie Strayhorn's recording of Heartaches for a Fool with printed on the label for Rocky, who helped set me free. <laughs> Aww. And then there's a note for Jim. Most of what I have ain't worth giving, but there was this $20 saddle. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Love, Charlie. Rocky is over the moon to have a personalized yes. Charlie Strayhorn record. Yeah. And Jim is so happy that Rocky is happy. Yes. <laughs> we see that in their faces and their body language. It's so good. And then the last three and a half minutes of the episode is... <laughs> An amazing drone shot for the 1970s, yeah. I gotta say. <laughs> Listening to Heartaches of a Fool over this... I mean, it must be a helicopter shot, right? Yeah. This aerial pan over L.A., and again, this is like the full song. It is. Yeah. You know, I looked at the timeline. I was like, oh, there's like almost four minutes left of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that moment when I said, what's going on? There's 10 minutes left of this episode. There were six minutes left of this episode. <laughs> right. But yeah, so we just we listen to this song as we we go over L.A. And then our shot leaves the highway yeah. And kind of scans over the mountain. I don't really know the topography, like, you know, to mm-hmm. be really specific. But I think what you're supposed to get from it, right, is like coming, going off into the country, right? Leaving the city, yeah. going off into the country. But we do end the shot just as we see the Hollywood sign come into the frame, yes. <laughs> which I think is nice. And then that crossfades to a aerial shot from behind of Charlie's truck driving down the highway. And then we get to a perspective where we can see that Carrie is sitting next to him mm-hmm. and he puts his arm around her. Yeah. And then we crossfade into the setting sun from there. And then the song uh, ends to get our, our Rockford theme over our end credits. And yeah, that's the end of the episode. There's just something about that arm over her gesture, which is because we're at such a distance 
you would have been able to forgive the show for just having just a just having a union driver driving that truck down the road and that's it. Like, sure. like we don't get any close up. We don't know for sure it's them. But mm-hmm. that that body language, which is very identifiable, it's Charlie's it's Charlie's pickup. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like it's we know it's him, but we like what I'm saying is that we don't know that it's the act. We never get close enough to know it's the oh, actor. Oh, sure, right, sure, right, sure. Right, yeah. right. But that body language is just so identifiable from that distance it's just a great idea like yeah i'm not saying this is genius or anything like that but i thought it was like just a very great touch because it delivered the note that they wanted to deliver just just praising wired for 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 making that happen there like it was um i was trying to pay some attention to like some things that i would attribute to the director i don't know if they were but like that was one of the things where i was i thought yeah that was actually that was a good idea that was a good shot that well done and the beginning with the the whole thing with rocky yeah with just the music playing and nothing else was Mm -hmm. good so good yeah it's like the inverse of that sequence we really liked from uh we did this way wait maybe it's uh tall woman in red i don't know it's, it's I, we, I know which one you're talking but about the one them. where jim's being pursued by a truck in like the desert and it's like yeah seven minute sequence of like no all music of no music it's like the inverse of that where and it wasn't that yeah. long but like we're just having the song juxtaposed with the imagery and stuff was just like it was fun it was just like a yeah, fun yeah. a really fun way to open into the season. Um, and I do have that kind of just sense of like, we really decided to go for it with this episode. Like, yeah, on a per episode basis, I'm sure they spent a lot more money on this one than some of the others. They were rolling trucks. They were doing aerial photography. There's, um, a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, it was just such a fun episode. Yeah. Part of me is kind of like, does the story hang together? (laughs) I haven't even thought about it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I, I, uh, I guess what we kind of get right at the end is that there's this smuggling deal, like Clement found a face to sell this right smuggling deal, but it was supposed to be done with with union guys so that the union got a cut of the deal, and then yeah. he double crossed them to use yeah. non union guys, and so they rolled the truck to like send a message. Or like Roland was the guy where they're like, oh, if we if we take out Roland, then Clement has to use Union or right. something. Or we send a message to anyone who wouldn't go Union, right? On this, you know, like like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like I guess one one of the partners undercut the other or tried to play them against someone else, and mm-hmm. they just like went south. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Rocky ended up in it just because he's too naive to be like, oh, a freelance gig where I don't go on the truck scales. <laughs> yes. That's got to be legit. <laughs> like, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, Rolla's never steered me wrong before. Why would he steer me wrong now? Right. Uh, and and thus we get our story. Yeah. I, like I had a, a, a thing just this past week that I put out, out on Mastodon about um, I was actually talking about Doctor Who and not not the Rockford files, but uh, just saying that like good entertainment doesn't have to be good in, in every way. It just right, needs right. to be good enough for you to ignore the gaps mm-hmm. and that's it. Right. Like, and I think that this show much like, sorry, not, not, all right. There's a thesis here, uh-huh. much like how Charlie Strayhorn needed the sausage mystery <laughs> to distract from all his problems. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Strayhorn and the sausage mystery. Yes. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a porn parody. 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, he was looking for a distraction. And, yeah. like, yeah, um, this was tremendous fun. I, I was watching it. I was taking notes. I was like, this episode rules. Like, it whips. Yeah, it, this just, is, it, it just It's just firing on all cylinders. The, the story is good enough. Yeah. All the stuff is great. Um, yeah. The character stuff is all great. The lines are amazing. The music's great. Willie Nelson, you know, whips. So that's, you know, that works. Yeah, there's some good moments. Like Jim, Charlie is, there's a style of character that people like to pit Jim against, which mm-hmm. are uh, likable or pitiable or whatever, generally yeah. good characters that Jim has to like keep on the right track just long enough. Right, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's like a real archetype of that kind of yeah. Rockford yeah. Files lead like co yeah, co lead. Yeah. Um oh, so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where they would have been, but like the only problems with this episode are like Angel wasn't also trying to like right. flip the sausages <laughs> at a profit. And like yeah. you know, Dennis wasn't on call for the cop. You know, like or, yeah. Just, or like a subplot of Angel deciding to become a country music star because he saw <laughs> Angel impersonating Charlie Strayhorn oh. to try and sell <laughs> sausages that he literally got off the back of the overturned truck. Yes, to like someone else. Uh, what could have been? But yeah, but like, where would that have fit? You know, yeah, we needed exactly. a good six to seven minutes for music. So the, the story <laughs> did end up a little, a little compressed. Yeah. But again, uh, what an episode. We're, yeah, back. We're back, baby. We had kind of a bummer last time. And then I'm, I'm back. I'm back on it. I think Rocky said it best. It's a real one. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> uh, except to say that we will be back next time to talk about another episode of The Rockford Files. These are real ones. Bye bye.